Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Here we go. We're going to talk about a really light topic today. So uh, this will be an easy one. We're going to talk about forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. All right. Here we go. Forgiveness. This is the, the lesson that we're in and we're reading through it. Some of you have probably started it already, and some of you are probably through it, and some of you are going, oh, my goodness, I did not realize how much in my life is attached to unforgiveness and offense. And, uh, and so today we're going to dig into that and look at what the Bible says about it. I want to open with a couple stories just for fun. Uh, here. Uh, These are stories that have to do with forgiveness, okay? Toward the end of service, the minister asked, how many of you have forgiven your enemies? 80% held up their hands. The minister then repeated his question. All responded this time except one small elderly lady. Mrs. Jones, are you not willing to forgive your enemies? She responded, I don't have any. She responded, smiling sweetly. Mrs. Jones, that's very, very unusual. How old are you? 98, she replied. Oh, Mrs. Jones, would you please come down to the front and tell everybody here how you can live to be 98 years old and not have an enemy in the world? The little sweetheart of a lady tottered down to the front. She looked at the congregation and said, I outlived them all. Uh, a woman bought a parrot for a pet. First mistake. And uh, all the parrot ever did was treat her bad. It insulted her and it pecked at her every time she tried to pick it up. One day she got so fed up, she picked up the parrot as it was insulting her and, and she walked and as she walked, it continued to peck at her and insult her. She took it to the freezer, opened it, threw the parrot in and slammed the freezer door shut. For five, about five seconds, the, the parrot continued to insult her, and then it stopped all of a sudden. She said, oh, no, I killed it. I killed it. She opened the door, and the parrot looked at her. She picked it up, and the parrot said, I am very sorry. I, I apologize for my bad behavior and, and promise you that, that I'll be better than this. From now on, I'll be a respectful, obedient parrot. The lady said, well, oh, okay, apology accepted. Then the parrot said, thank you. Can you tell me something? She said, sure, yeah, what? He looked back in the freezer and said, what did the chicken do? (laughs) Just wait for it. It'll come. It'll come. (laughs) It'll still come. It'll still come. Just, Just wait. First week, uh, Pastor Chris, who, how many of you have just joined those messages from Pastor Chris? Uh, he let us, he talked about two approaches to God. And these two approaches to God are from the two trees that we find in Genesis, right? We either approach God through the tree of life or the tree of? Right. Who would be bold enough to raise your hand and tell me what does an approach to God from the tree of knowledge look like? What does that mean? Or you can shout it out. Yeah, April, very good. Looks at me trying to do things my own way. Yeah, excellent. Anybody else? 
Live by the rules. It's all about just living by the rules. Absolutely, absolutely. How about, how about this one? Trying to earn or appease God by the way you live. Earn your love from him by the way you live, right? Versus, who can tell me now what the approach to God through the tree of life means? Some thoughts. As a son or a daughter, very good. Trust. trust. It's out of trust for God. Very good. Anybody else? This is good. Perfect. Oh, yeah, I heard it. Freedom while you worship. Absolutely. Yes, yes. All of these things are those two approaches to God. Now, here's something interesting that I want to present to you today as we talk about forgiveness. Those two approaches to God are also two approaches that we have to people. Okay, I want you to think about this. You can approach people from a tree of knowledge perspective, or you can approach people from a tree of life perspective. Here's what it means. Let's start with tree of knowledge. Tree of knowledge is actually, in your approach to people, it is focused on yourself. Because the tree of knowledge looks at relationships and interactions that you have with people and says, what can they do for me? What does this relationship do for me? It's all about self. It's all about what's best for me. And the other thing that the tree of knowledge does is it continually measures you up to other people. It continually compares you. Man, I screwed up and I messed up and man, but, but I, I'm not that bad. I, I didn't do that. And what, what happens is it leads to us keeping tally marks of the things in people's life, and we weigh the things that they do and always find them guilty. The thing is that this is a really, really easy step from that place to a place of offense that you have towards someone because what happens is you've continually looked at their life, you've measured up and you've said, yeah, I've weighed all of this stuff and I found you guilty of offense and I'm holding you to that. This is what approaching people from the tree of knowledge is. It's focused on, on self. Now, obviously, you can tell that this kind of a mentality leads to a gap in relationship, right? It leads to there being distance in a relationship because suddenly I'm looking at you as a lesser person than myself. Everyone tracking with this? This is where we're looking at people through the tree of knowledge leads to. And I'm sure you've all experienced that to some degree and shape and form in your life. Whether you realize it or not, we've all said, well, at least I didn't do that. At least I'm not that. So we compare and we, we keep track that way. But there's a different approach to people from the tree of life. The tree of life says, I have been forgiven of much, and therefore I will forgive much. I have been loved much. So therefore, I will love much. It views the person through the eyes of God that he has towards them versus your human eyes. And the only way that you can actually view somebody through the tree of life is if you are daily preaching the gospel to yourself and reminding yourself of the forgiveness that you need in your life. Because there is not one moment where you say, you know what, I've arrived. No, daily, we need to remind ourselves, I am, in for, I am in need of forgiveness of God. And if I'm in need of forgiveness of God, then you're in need of forgiveness of God. And we're all on this same playing field together. It enables us to love God 
or love people like God does. It also, and this is what 1 Corinthians talks about, it keeps no record of wrongs, forgives. This is what viewing somebody from the tree of life perspective says, is it doesn't keep the tally marks. It ceases to weigh out and compare. Why? Because you realize if I did that, I'd be way worse. It levels the playing field. Now, approaching someone from the tree of life is actually built on love expressed in actions. I love that person, therefore I will act differently towards them. There's a principle to to living and interacting with someone from the tree of life perspective, and it's something that our culture really, really does not do very good at at all. And I was talking to, to Mike Costa about this this week. It's the idea of understanding before being understood. It's the idea that I am going to understand where you're at. Because when I understand where you are at, I understand that I am the exact same. And there's nobody who's better than anybody else. A lot of times approaching someone from, from the tree of life perspective is this word that I've, I've, I've really, really come to, to love. It's the word called empathy. Empathy. Empathy is very different from sympathy. Sympathy just says, oh, I'm sorry you're going through that. That must be really hard. Empathy actually puts you into the shoes of the person who's going through something and it enables you to understand how to actually love that person. Or you could say it this way, empathy is knowledge powered by love. You know something about someone and from the tree of knowledge, you add that to their tally mark. From the tree of life perspective, you know something about someone and it motivates you to love that person, to forgive that person. You're not weighing them up. You're saying, wow, I understand where you're at and, I, and I, I, it, it, that must be so hard. And you start to ask questions. The thing about empathy and the thing about uh, interacting with people from the tree of life perspective is we start to ask different questions. We start to ask things that actually has a greater understanding. Why? Because it's motivated by love for the person. It actually shows I care for you. I care for you. And because I care for you, I'm going to actually engage in a conversation so I can better understand what's going on in your world so that I can love you better. And again, it's grounded on the fact that I'm no different than you. I'm no different than you. Here's what empathy does. Empathy disarms offense. Empathy disarms offense because suddenly, again, we're taking our eyes off of us and we're putting it on the other person. Empathy is a powerful thing. Now, how does this tie into forgiveness? Does that mean that if I don't understand you as a person, then I don't have to forgive you as a person? No, not at all. Matthew 6, Jesus says very clearly, forgive and your Father in heaven will forgive you. You don't forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. So it's very, very clear. There is nothing escaping what Jesus has actually asked us to do. But the thing is, if we can approach somebody from a tree of life perspective, it's different than saying, I'm forgiving you because I, I know that that's what I'm supposed to do. That's a great start. And sometimes that is really, really what's required. But other times it's saying, I'm going to view that person as a child of God, as a son or daughter of the king, and then I am going to interact with them in that way. And it brings a greater understanding that way. 
So, tree of knowledge and the tree of life. Everyone doing okay? Okay. Pastor Chris said something uh, on, uh, I think it was last weekend or a couple weekends ago when he spoke. He, he said this, he made this statement, and the statement is this, choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. And if you remember that, it was really kind of like, oh, excuse me, what? What are you talking about? And it comes back to Matthew 6, right? You're, you're, you're to forgive. That's, that's the first and foremost piece that you are to do, right? And, and then your feelings, we deal with the feelings down the road. Sometimes, and in our culture, I'm just telling you right now, we live in a culture that is very feeling and emotional driven, where therefore choices that need to be made come second as long as I feel that way about the person, Right? And that's, and that's something that there has to be an adjustment in in our lives because Jesus says, no, listen, this is a spiritual principle that you need to do. This is something you need to live by. And he says, and this is the cool thing, and we'll deal with the emotions, and we'll deal with the feelings, and we'll process through all of that. But we got to start from a premise of saying, I am going to make a decision to follow Christ and do what he says in forgiving and loving other people, and then he is going to work into our lives. Amen? It reminds me of a story of a, uh, of a Sunday school teacher. And the Sunday school teacher was getting to the end of her, of her lesson on uh, forgiving, what it means to, to receive forgiveness. And so she asked the congregation, or her oh, congregation, she asked her Sunday school class, you know, what, what do you have to do before you can obtain forgiveness for sin? And there was a pause, and then in the back of the room, there was a little boy who piped up and said, sin. <laughs> anyway, guys, just roll with me here. If you know anything about me, you know that I'll, I'll do this sometimes, right? My point is this. 1 John 4.10 says that this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Listen to this. The word used in 1 John is not loved me. He loved us. And he gave his son to die for us, which means it levels the playing field, right? It means that we are on the same par. It means all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's nobody who hasn't. Therefore, there is nobody that we do not have to forgive. Okay? Now, there's a, a section of scripture that I'm mulling over, and I want to just kind of finish our time looking at this section of scripture. And this section of scripture, it's, it's from 2 Peter. And in 2 Peter, Peter is actually encouraging the believers about how to build a full life in him, or in, in Christ, not in Peter. That would be weird. But in a full life in Christ. Oh, boy. You know, you make those statements sometimes, and you're like, huh, okay. 2 Peter. And 2 Peter, verses uh, 1, and then verses 5 through 9. I'm going to walk through this a little bit and walk out what Peter says about how forgiveness and how faith and all of this ties in together, okay? So it says this in 1 Peter, or 2 Peter uh, 1 and verse 5. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Notice where he starts. He starts with faith, Faith is built on trust and is the foundation of our relationship with God from living from a tree of life perspective, right? He starts with this. He says, you can't do any of the other stuff until you've understood that your relationship with God is built on this faith that you have that leads to a relationship with him. So he says, your faith is so, so important. And then he says, and add to this goodness, goodness and knowledge, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and then he culminates with love. 
And love, we know, again, going back to 1 Corinthians 13, one of the attributes of love is that it keeps no record of wrong. So here's what's really interesting about what Peter is saying in this passage. He's saying, you start with your relationship with God. You start with your faith in God. You start with an approach to God that you want to make sure comes from a tree of life perspective, that there's a trust like Jeff was saying, and that that is what builds your love, and that's what builds your relationship. When that is in place, the culmination point of your life will be love for other people. And love, we know, is keeps no record of wrong. So our faith, you can think about it this way, faith is an inward conviction that, is exp- that has an outward expression. It's an inward conviction with an outward expression. It starts with our faith. Do you know that it's, it's actually, if we don't have that foundational part rooted and grounded in God, it's, it's impossible for us to forgive? We can't actually willpower our way to forgive. It's impossible for us to just do that under our own strength. It has to come from our relationship with God and then an empowering of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about in just a second. So we have to get the order right, right? It begins with us and our relationship with God. And that is first and foremost. And then everything else comes from that. Peter's actually saying this when you dig in and when you do some of the commentaries and reading, he's actually saying that without love that leads to forgiveness for other people, you actually don't have a complete relationship with God. And that's a bold statement, but I want you to understand that in this whole series that we're going through, Christ desires for you to have freedom in him. And when you are in offense or when there's unforgiveness that you have in your life, you're not free. It it keeps you bound and locked up. I I go back to a conversation that we had with the Messinas a while ago, and I remember Carrie making the statement that that when you have unforgiveness, all it does is it just traps you. It keeps you chained up, right? Because because you can't fully have this, this relationship. You can't have the outflow of love towards God and towards other people if this thing has bound you up and has kept you. And so Peter is saying, listen, In order for your faith to be complete, you need to have forgiveness that pairs with it so that you can have freedom from that area. But I'm going to be the one to empower you to be able to have freedom in your life. Okay, so this is is what he talks about in this whole thing. And then he goes on and says this, and this is really sobering, but it's also really encouraging. Second Peter one and then eight through nine says this, for if you possess these qualities, all the things that he just mentioned in those, those previous verses, If you possess these inqualities in increasing measures, meaning increasing faith, increasing trust to God, and and, and, and all of that, you will have increasing love in your life as he works in you. And they will keep you from being useless and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Now think about this for a second. Think about this. When we have our unforgiveness in our life, and when we have offense, and when we have things that come, it actually causes us to be unfruitful. We lose impact on those around us. We no longer are actually able to contribute anything because we are bound in this unforgiveness that we have. And it makes you unfruitful. And I would say it this way, actually. It actually, it yields negative fruit when there's unforgiveness that's there. And it actually makes you unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
There's a principle in the Bible that says this, that there are elements of the character of God that we will only understand when we actually live things out in our life so that we can understand his love. Sometimes forgiveness in our life is hard to understand because we have had a really, really hard time grabbing a hold of the forgiveness that God has for us. And it's really hard for us then to go out and to forgive others because we haven't even wrapped our head around the fact that I am a messed up individual full of sin and God forgave me. There's a spiritual thing where we turn around and as we, with our faith and our relationship with God as it grows and we learn what it means to take steps into forgiveness, that what happens is we actually grow in our knowledge of the forgiveness of Christ for our lives. It's this, it's this amazing relationship that works. And then he says this, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing of sin. Unforgiveness, have you ever noticed this, that if you have an offense with someone or there's something rattling around in your head, it's always right there. And then being able to actually process life and try to make decisions and try to do things is clouded by this thing that just lingers there because it hasn't been dealt with. Have you ever experienced that? I have, I have, I've walked around with this thing and until I actually deal with that thing in one of two ways, which I'm gonna to get to in just a second, if, if I don't deal with that, then I'm not able to actually be clear-minded when it comes to life. By the way, guys, these are all things that Christ desires for us to have. He desires for you to be fruitful. He desires for you to be useful in the kingdom of heaven. He wants you to grow in your knowledge of him. And he, and, and he wants you to have clarity and he wants you to be able to see. And, and finally, he wants you to remember the forgiveness for your past sins. What happens is if we have a hard time of experiencing and for forgiveness in our lives, then it actually swings us back into the tree of knowledge. Because when we don't understand the forgiveness that Christ has for us, we go back to trying to earn his love for us. And that's what this second Peter passage is saying, is saying that all of these things, if we're not increasing in our faith, which leads to our love, which has resulted in forgiveness towards other people, if we don't do that, then we're actually swinging back into the other tree. But that's not, that's not what God's desire for us is. His desire is for us to live in freedom. So here's what we're gonna do. This only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like I said before, we cannot willpower our way to forgiveness. We cannot make things happen on our own strength and muster things up. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And I wanna go back just for a second as we, as we wrap up our time here. I wanna go back to the three things that Pastor Chris spoke before that the Holy Spirit does. Because this is where there's gonna be an activation in your life of saying, <laughs> taking everything I've done about, yeah, the importance of forgiveness, like this is important why we, why we live free of offense, why we forgive, why we accept the forgiveness of Christ. Like, okay, that's important, but then like, how do we actually do that? And this is what he was talking about. Remember, he, he talked about three, uh, three elements of uh, praying and having the Holy Spirit speak to our life. The first one is to show me, show me. And when we, when we talk about show me, it's God, show me where there's areas of unforgiveness in my life. Search me, find out where is there something that I'm harboring towards somebody else or against somebody else. Or maybe it's show me that I have not fully accepted the forgiveness that you paid for on the cross. Holy Spirit, show me, reveal to me, open my eyes so that I can be able to see. 
And the second thing is that we pray, God, change me, change me. And, and, th- and this is really crazy, but this is how the spiritual world works in kingdom of heaven principle is this. Once you know somebody who you have an offense towards, you know a really, really easy way to let the Holy Spirit change you is when you pray for them. Daily. Because it's really hard to be to, to have unforgiveness continue and have offense continue when you're sitting there every morning going, Lord, I, I pray that you would bless them. You know how hard it is to do that with offense? To actually on a daily basis say, God, I pray that their day would be amazing. I pray that they would have Holy Spirit encounters. I pray for promotions and I pray for raises and I pray for bonuses and I pray for their kids and I pray for their family and I pray the joy of the Lord to be their strength. You start praying that for people, it's gonna start tearing down offense and it's gonna start to help deal with unforgiveness that we have towards that person. This is the really crazy thing, but this is how God does things. He says, okay, yeah, great. You want me to change you? You want me to speak into your life? You want me to work in you? I want you to start praying for somebody else other than you and stop looking at yourself, but to actually look to the needs of others. And there's a transformation that takes place in that moment. And then finally, the last one is he said, fill me. God, I want you to show me where I have areas of offense, where I have areas of unforgiveness. And then I want you to change me. And finally, God, I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit to be able to, this goes back to 2 Peter, to walk out my face and to determine if I need to forgive and just move on from something that was done to me or if I need to actually initiate a conversation of reconciliation. Now, these fall into a couple different categories. I I had a great conversation with Ellie, which I love conversations with her because I sit there every time and go, oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's really, really good. So she writes my notes with me. It's really, really nice. We have to understand, is there something in our life that we are just harboring and we're saying, you know what? I just have not let this thing go. I just, you know, they looked at me funny in church. And I just... It's just, I have this thing, right? Where if you went to that person and you said, hey, David, I forgive you for how you looked at me. (laughs) David's going, what? (laughs) What did I do, right? David didn't even do anything. That's something where I need God to come and say, hey, you need to let this go. And you need to forgive and you need to reconcile this in your heart and let me breathe fresh on your life and you need to move on. Or there's an attitude or there's an aspect of it that we actually need to pursue a conversation of reconciliation. Reconciliation is very different than forgiveness. Forgiveness happens regardless of reconciliation. You forgive when there is an offense or when there's something that you have picked up that has offended you. You are are responsible to God for that. But if there is something where you need to actually have a conversation of reconciliation is a whole nother level because now you're actually initiating something that says, I don't know how this is gonna go, but I know that we need to talk about it. And and this is what the, the chapter in the book was talking about, right? Reconciliation is mutual. 
right? It's this mutual place of saying, okay, I'm going to, forg- I'm going to initiate a conversation because I'm the one that has an offense, but I'm going to hope that we can actually build and we can grow. And we- Now, maybe da- David and I need to do that for the look that he gives me in church. Like, maybe we need to do that. But maybe it's something much deeper that now, okay, we, we need to talk about this. We need to process through this. And those are sometimes the harder ones because it involves what? Talking to that person. And this is why I'm telling you, and this is the hope that I was praying through every time when I was prepping this message, is that this is what the Holy Spirit does in us. The Holy Spirit is the one that enables us to do this because we can't do it on our own. And this is the cool thing. The Holy Spirit wants to help you in this. If you've lived your life with an offense that maybe stems back to something in your childhood or something earlier in your life, the Holy Spirit wants you to be free of that. He wants you to experience the freedom of Christ. And so he says, listen, I want to come and I want to work in your life so that we can get to this place of forgiveness. We can get to this place where offenses are gone. So this is where we, this is where we kind of land is saying, okay, those three things, Holy Spirit, I want you to do that this week. Maybe for you, the step is you just need the Holy Spirit to show you. Maybe that's what it is, right? Is there an area of an offense that I've held? Is there something going on? Holy Spirit, would you just show me? Maybe you are at the place where you know. You know the people that have done things. You know the hurt. You know the wounds. And you're like, okay, God, now I need you to just work on my heart. I, I, I need you to come with your Holy Spirit and work on my heart. And maybe it's the last one. Okay, now I need to actually know what to do with this. Do I need to forgive? And do I need to close that door? Or do I need to go to that person and actually have a conversation? And I want to pray for you just before we go any further because I really believe that this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in all of us this week. I had um, a, a benefit in the fact that I was prepping this. So I already have gone through this. And uh, the Holy Spirit has shown me a lot. (laughs) And now he's working on changing me because I'm realizing that there's stuff in me that he needs to work on. So Father, I pray right now for every single one of us, Lord, wherever we fall in that spectrum. Lord, I pray right now that you would come to help us, to show us where there has been areas of unforgiveness, where there's been areas of offense, where there's been things that we have allowed to creep into our life. And Lord, I pray that today you would uh, illuminate those things to us. Father, that you would change us from the inside out, that you would come and work on our hearts and work on our lives, that we would be able to to, uh, look to that other person. Father, really, truly, that we would pray for them, God, that we would begin to, to lift them up before you and see you do a work in our lives. Lord, we pray that there will be a work in our life. Lord, I pray that those who, who are identifying things even right now, areas in their life where there's been unforgiveness, where there's been offense, where there's been hurt that has gone back for a long time, that is legitimate. There's things that have been done that have caused hurt. Father, would you start to come by your Holy Spirit and do a work in us today? Come with your Holy Spirit to rewire, to reshape, to blow fresh on our life, whatever you want to do. And Father, then would you fill us, God, to know what we are to do and how we are to respond to what you're showing us and what you're teaching us, God. Lord, help us, even if it's something small, Lord, show us what we're to do with that, God. Lord, we thank you for the life that you have uh, given 
And we thank you for the price that you've paid. And God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is active in our life, God. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.